Amen. Thank you, kids. Amen. All right. I release you to your classes. I, I don't know about you, but the incredible theology contained within that song really holds us. If we can just really grasp this total truth that Jesus loves us. The Bible tells us that. That's how we know. And we love him. And it's evident in our lives lived in obedience to him. Well, today is Mother's Day, and we have a little video that I'd like to ask you to watch. think of moms and and I want to thank every one of you who's a mom in this room for the way that you've given of yourself. Moms give of themselves in ways that is really hard for us to fully grasp and and moms come in all sorts of shapes and sizes, don't they? All sorts of situations. As we come to Mother's Day, I think for each one of us we think about our moms. We each have a mom somewhere, somehow, and and I know for me it's a, a time when I just consider and think about the impact that mom's had in my life. And my mom was, was you know, just really great mom. No, she wasn't perfect. There was stuff, you know. But all in all, she was really good. And one of the things I really liked the most about my mom was that she made really good desserts, you know. <laughs> I mean, it was like, you know, mom cooked good, but her desserts were really good. She had a banana cake she made that was like unbelievable. And Karen's been trying to get it nailed, but it's just, it's not happening. And I don't know. We got the recipe card in mom's handwriting. It's not any failure on Karen's part but at all. But, but there's some secret ingredient mom had or something that, that went into that cake. So I just, I don't know. I keep, you know, hungering for it, but I'm not sure I'm ever going to taste that again. Mom loved desserts. And so I learned early on that when we were eating, you saved the fork, right? Because there was more to come. And, and you were going to hold on to that fork because the best part was yet to come. And as I think about my mom, and about three and a half years ago, she stepped into glory. And she's more alive now than she ever was when I knew her here on earth. And as she stepped into glory, so for me... When I think about my mom, I naturally think about heaven. 
And so I'd love to have us do that today, thinking about there and uh, thinking about what waits for those of us who know the Lord and what could wait for you if you don't yet know the Lord, if you were to turn to him and to think of what that could look like. And just like my mom would always have a great dessert and save save the best for last, I believe God's done that same thing. So we're going to be looking at the last two chapters of the Bible, last two chapters of the book of Revelation, as I believe that God has saved the best for last, as he begins to tell us what waits for each one of us who knows him as our Lord and Savior. So we'll start in chapter 21, looking at the big idea today that eternity with God is an absolute and certain hope for the believer. There's so much more to come. And uh, we're going to take a look at that. I think as we do that, as you turn there, you stop and consider in Colossians where, where Paul tells us to, to fix our mind on things of heaven and not on earthly things. And sometimes I think we can get so wrapped up in what's going on in the world. It's, it's overwhelming, isn't it? You know, our work takes so much out of us. I've talked to people who they're their work situation has changed and that's just put a bunch of strain and stress on them as the things that they thought they knew how to do, they don't know how to do anymore and and our relationships can take a strain and finances take a strain and all of these things just keep us so focused on on what's happening right now. And as we do that, we, we get distracted from thinking about what's to come. And I want to submit to you that if we can really keep our eyes focused on there and what's waiting for us, we can become heavenly minded in a way that allows us to be of much more earthly good as we're able to do that which God has placed us here on earth to do. Revelation 21. John says this, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and will be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eye. There will be no more death or mourning, or crying, or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To him who is thirsty, I will give to drink without cost from the spring of the water of life. He who overcomes will inherit all of this, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, all liars, their place will be in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. God, as we look into your word today, Thank you for preserving it for us and thank you for showing John what eternity will be like for us. Thank you for not concealing it from us, Lord. 
I pray today as we look at it that it would, it would once again stir in our hearts a passion to respond to the love that you've displayed to us. I pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. The first thing we see is that God will dwell among his people. God will dwell among his people. And we see that in verse three where it says, and I heard a loud voice from the, so- um, from the throne saying, now the dwelling of God is with men and he will live with them. He will be his, they will be his people and God himself will be with them and will be their God. So I think God is trying to make it very clear that in the eternal state, once there's a new heaven and a new earth that have been created and made, that God will be with us. And I think that's so amazing. Now we know throughout the Bible that God gives us all sorts of opportunities and times to see how he's come and dwelt among us. In the garden, he created And he created all that we see. And he created Adam and Eve and placed them in the garden. And he walked with them in the cool of the day. And he talked with them. And he was with them. But they sinned. And so that was broken and severed. And then we see that the tabernacle was built. When when the Israelites were called out of Egypt and rescued and freed and brought into the, to the desert to begin to worship God, and God laid out for them a tabernacle that they could build. And the tabernacle would be a place where God would come and his presence, his Shekinah glory would be seen there and his presence would be there. And then the temple was built. And once again, the presence of the Lord came into the temple. But Israelites sinned and and that glory left yet again. Until that moment when God took on flesh and came down in the person of Jesus and stepped foot onto earth. And once again, the glory of God dwelled among men. John 1.14 says, He made his dwelling among us. But then he left, went back to heaven and sent the Holy Spirit so that now each one of us who have come to know Christ as our Savior, the Holy Spirit indwells us and lives in us. But Revelation 21 tells us that at a time in the future, following the the return of Jesus Christ to defeat all of sin in the world and and set up his thousand-year reign and and then going through the thousand-year reign and totally defeating Satan and sin and, and all evil being put into the lake of fire forever, at that point in time, God will recreate a new heaven and a new earth. And at that time, his dwelling will come on earth in a different way than it ever has before. He will bring his city here. He will move here and live among us in some fascinating and special way. He will dwell with us. And as he comes to dwell with us, everything changes. The old order is done away. All the things that we're used to now, gone all the things that have been impacted. Because you see, the new heaven and the new earth are a place of no more. No more tears. No more 
death. No more crying. No more pain. No more mourning. The old order has passed away. No more will those things be in our lives. No more curse. The curse will be gone. When we stop to think about that, how much of your life, how much of my life every day is impacted by the curse? It's hard for us to even fathom what our lives would be like if the curse wasn't here, if we weren't living under that. The curse is what causes the pain. The curse is what causes the the sorrow, the hurt, all of that. That will all be gone away. Jesus tells us that in this world, you will have trouble. But that we should take heart because God has overcome the world. We've become so used to the trouble that we face that we think that somehow we just need to tolerate it. And there's a degree of that which is true. But we lose sight of the fact that there's a time waiting for all of us when that isn't the norm. And it's nowhere to be found. The next thing we see in our text is that we will be satisfied. In verse 6 it says, To him who is thirsty, I will give to drink without cost from the spring of the water of life. We will be satisfied. How much of our life is filled with dissatisfaction? Do you have have any moments in your life where you're dissatisfied? You know, like when the stoplight is too long, or when the line in the store is too long, or when the price on something is too high, or when the car breaks down, or when somebody says something to you that hurts your feelings, or when somebody gets something you think you deserve, or when you're hungry, or when you're thirsty, or when you're... How many times in my life, how many times in my day am I just unsatisfied? And the bottom line is that it really boils down to this. I'm unsatisfied because God isn't enough for me here. I, I, I believe I need God and something more. And again, that's part of the curse. It's part of the fall. It, it distorts our understanding of who God is and what he's designed us for. But this verse tells us that when we, when we get there and when, when we're in the presence of God, if we're thirsty, he will give us to drink from the water of life and we'll be satisfied. It won't be like, well, that was pretty good, but what else is coming? And remember the Israelites, when God sent the bread of heaven down to them and they said, this is good, but what else you got? Right? And, and I do that in my life. And I end up unsatisfied. But in eternity, I'll be satisfied. As the deer pants for the water, the psalmist tells us, 42. As the deer pants for water, so my soul longs after you. My soul thirsts for you. Part of the reason we're so unsatisfied here is because my soul thirsts for God. My soul thirsts to drink from this stream. 
the stream of heaven. That's, that's what my soul thirsts for. And the Spirit is a deposit for that here. But there, my soul will be satisfied. And I will be drinking of the streams of water, living water, that God has for me. The next thing we see is, is the spurring on to overcome. He says, he who overcomes will inherit all this. I will be his God, and he will be my son. She will be my daughter. Whoever overcomes will inherit all this. Think about that. It's like, how many of you are waiting for like this super inheritance? <laughs> Working on it. <laughs> but what scripture tells us is we have riches waiting for us that you can't even begin to imagine. Riches beyond compare are waiting for us. You see, our Father will be sharing all of, all of his riches with us. And his riches are unlimited. There's an inheritance waiting for those who overcome, who persevere. What does that mean? Does that mean that in some way if my faith doesn't persevere that I won't make it? No, that's not what that means. You remember Jesus said that in this world you'll have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome this world. So what this is, is this is great motivator for us to say, okay, listen, I can make it. I can overcome. I can persevere. Listen, this world is not a great place to live. No, I love being here. I love being with you. I love being with my wife. I love being with my family but I've got someplace better to go. Amen? And, and this world also has all sorts of troubles. It has sicknesses. It has, it has poverty. It has, it has strain. It has all of these things. But if we overcome, if we persevere, if we continue to press on in Jesus' name, to the, to the work that he has for us, and then we continue to persevere. As we persevere, and as we overcome this world, we can be absolutely certain that we will inherit all this. Now, we don't know what all this is. Can you imagine this? As John, I don't know about you, but I would have loved to have been John. John saw this stuff. John saw this. He saw it and, 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 and he was told to write it down for us. He, he saw this actually happening. And so when this was said, we'll inherit all this. What did, did God say all this? And, and, and John looked around and goes, wow. See, we settle. I remember when I was a kid and I thought, oh, heaven, you know, I... I guess I'd like to go there. But then again, church lasts a long time. And if heaven's like church, then I'm not sure I'm into that for eternity because I really like to ride my bike and I like to, you know, all these things. And I think sometimes that sticks with us as we grow up. And we begin to think of the things we're going to need to leave behind instead of all the things we're going to take hold of. We will inherit all this. 
And what we know for sure is God is not going to take away anything from us that he doesn't replace with something much, much better. Amen? The next thing we see, not only did God come and dwell with his people, but his city, his city of God will be among the people. The city of God. And this is where it gets really kind of exciting to read as John is taken by the Spirit up to a mountain and he gets to see God's city, the holy city, God's city, the place where his throne is. He gets to see that city come down out of the sky and come down to earth. Now, I don't know about you, but I can't even begin to imagine this. I, I, I look at it, I read this, and I, and I try to draw it, but I'm a terrible artist, and so I Google it. Because on Google, you'll see an image of anything you want, some really good and some you shouldn't look at, but, you know, put your filters on. But anyway, as you look and you Google it and you say, what does this look like? And, and you see this and there's all these amazing images that people have drawn trying to put ink to page of what John describes here. But the best way to do it, I believe, is to read it. So let's, let's read this. One of the seven angels, verse 9, who had come who had the seven bowls of seven last plagues said to me, come, I'll show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming out of heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God and its brilliance was like that of a very precious jewel, like a a jasper, clear as crystal. It had a great high wall with 12 gates and 12 angels at the gates. On the gates were written the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. There were three gates on the east, three on the north, three on the south, and three on the west. The wall of the city had 12 foundations, and on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. The angel who talked with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city, its gates, and its walls. The city was laid out as a square, as long as it was wide. He measured the city with a rod and found it to be 12,000 stadia in length, and as wide and high as it is long. He measured its wall, and it was 144 cubits thick by man's measurement, which the angel was using. The wall was made of jasper, the city of pure gold, as pure as glass. The foundations of the city walls were decorated with every kind of precious stone. The first foundation was jasper, the second, sapphire, third, chalcedony, the fourth, emerald, fifth, sardonyx, sixth, carnelian, the seventh was chrysolite. Eighth, beryl. Ninth, topaz. The tenth, chrysosopes. The eleventh, jacinth. Twelfth, amethyst. The twelve gates were twelve pearls, each gate made of a single pearl. The great street of the city was pure gold like transparent glass. I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives its light, and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. 
The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing the twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. Mm. I've read that so many times this week and continually try to remember and imagine. Can you imagine? We're going to be there. We will be there. Like millions, billions of us, who knows? And we'll be looking, and we'll be looking from the new heaven and the new earth, and here will come the city of God. The city of God will come from heaven because God will choose to come and bring his city, the holy city of Jerusalem, down, and he will make permanent dwelling with us. 1,400 miles square, that's like from New York to Houston. This city coming down, and we're gonna, what? Anissa, do you see that? You better move. It's coming right at you there. And we look up and, and in some ways I think we'll be like this because it'll be the glory of God that lights it. And the gold is so pure that you can see through it. See, God is holy. The place where he lives is holy and pure. And as he creates a new heaven and a new earth, and as, there, as we are there with our redeemed souls and then our redeemed bodies, we will, be, we will be able to be in the presence of the absolute holiness and splendor of God. And, and his city will come and be with us. And we will go in and out of the city, however we'd like, because there will be no more sin. No more curse, no more evil, no more hurt, no more pain, no more anguish. There will be no more sorrow, no more sadness, no more sin ever again, ever again. Oh, man, John saw the city. And he tried to explain it, he tried to write it, he talked about the jewels that were so beautiful, the gates that, have, that are made from a single pearl. How high do you think the gates are in a wall that is 1,400 miles high? And those gates are made from one pearl. Think about that oyster. <laughs> right? Psalm 84 I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord 
to, to stand by one of those gates and chat with the angel who's there above it? Every one of the gates has a, a name of the tribes of Israel. God has been, God has been planning this. And he, he's planning it for us. It's a place of no more curse. Our relationships with each other are going to be so enhanced. Sin has impacted them in such a dramatic way. I have an incredible relationship with Karen. But it's not perfect. She tries to control me. <laughs> I don't blame her. And I'm selfish. I don't love her the way I should. I don't care for her the way I should. I'm wanting what's best for me. But there you see, it tells us that his servants will serve him. His servants will serve him. Now that, that word serve can also mean worship. It's this idea that forever, we are going to fulfill that which we have been designed for. We have been designed to serve Almighty God. And it is as we serve God that we find the greatest joy in our lives. The thing that robs our joy is the thing that keeps us from serving God. As we serve ourselves, as we serve our self-needs, our self-interest, our selfish desires, our selfish passions, those are the things that rob the joy from our lives. It's not God that robs your joy. You get that right? It's all the other things that rob your joy. In heaven, in, in this city of God, in the new heaven and the new earth as we live there, we will be serving him in complete joy without sin stopping us from that. Now I ask you, how many of you in your heart right now are saying, this seems like a raw deal. R really, heaven's all about me going there to serve him? You know, is there a little twinge of that in you? See, that comes from the fall. You get that, right? Because of the fall, we don't truly understand the joy that comes from completely serving God. We've got this desire in us, this stinking stupid desire that says, what's in it for me? That will be gone. And that's why we'll be able to experience the joy that God has for us. And we will be more alive than we have ever been in our life. Amen. They will see his face and his name will be on their forehead. I don't know what that means. I don't know what it means that his name will be on my forehead. But whatever he wants to do to me, I'm good. I'm gonna see his face. I'm going to see his face. I can't wait. I can't wait to see the one 
who I love, the one who loves me so much, he's, he's going to touch me. I think of the, the leper. When Jesus comes and, and the leper says, if you're willing, you can heal me. And Jesus said, I'm willing, and he touched him. He touched him. And at that moment in time, I, I believe the leper melted. He didn't even care if he was healed anymore because God had touched him. Jesus will touch me. How do I know? He will wipe the tears from my eyes. The finger of God coming to wipe my tears. I will be in the presence of God forever without being in the presence of sin. He's calling me now. <laughs> Are you ready? My mom's there already. My dad's there. A lot of my friends are there. There's a lot of people I know who maybe aren't there. All the things that I just described, and oh man, I can't even begin to do them justice. All of those are waiting for us. And they're waiting for every person you know if they know the truth about who Jesus is. The last thing I'd like us to look at is this, just real briefly in the 22nd chapter, behold, I'm coming soon. <laughs> Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy in the book. <clears throat> Verse eight, I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things, and when I had heard and seen them, I fell down <clears throat> to worship at the feet of the angel who had been showing them to me. But he said to me, don't do it. I'm a fellow servant with you and with your brothers and the prophets and all who keep the word of this book. Worship God. Then he told me, do not seal up the prophecies of this book. Listen, worship God and tell as many people as possible of the prophecy. Tell them that God loves them. Tell them that God has prepared a place for them. Tell them that they can be free from the penalty of sin. Tell them that they can be free from the curse. Tell them, don't bind up this prophecy in your heart. Live it. Tell it. Proclaim it. There's plenty of room in the new heaven, the new earth, and the city of God for every person God has ever created, and that's why he's not willing that any should perish. Am I? Or am I not? Soon. Behold, I'm coming soon. The worship team is coming up to sing for us a song that allows us to focus on the truth of that. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy in this book. Oh, I can't wait to see my Lord and Savior. I can't wait to see that which he has yet to show me. 
but I want to stay as long as I can to tell as many people as possible the truth of what I know so that heaven will be very, very crowded. Amen.